Yeah, let's talk about that for a little while. Would you stand with me? We're going to read a passage from 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to read a passage from 1 Corinthians. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And from 1 Corinthians. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would anoint our hearts, that they would be soft to your word, that they would not be hard, that we would hear and receive what you have for us today through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. One of the most fascinating of all Christian beliefs, and we have some undeniably fascinating beliefs, but one of the most fascinating is a belief in the rapture. Uh, to those inside the faith, uh, oftentimes the rapture is wildly controversial. I hope to solve that today. Uh, to those outside the faith, it's just simply ludicrous, ridiculous. You mean Jesus Christ is going to kind of hover over the earth somewhere and then all the believers are just going to, you know, be taken up and whatever sound it makes and, and be in the air there with him? I mean, seriously. I was reading a, a quote this week by a guy named Dr. Richard Feynman. Feynman, yeah. He's a, he's a quantum physicist. And this is a quote that he had about quantum physics. How many of you are interested in quantum physics? Okay, well, even if you're not interested, this won't take long. This is what he said. I think it is safe to say that no one understands quantum mechanics. In fact, it is often stated that of all the theories proposed in this century, the silliest is quantum theory. Some say that the only thing that quantum theory has going for it is the fact that it is unquestionably correct. And it makes me think of the rapture. Because nobody really understands. Nobody has the answers. When I said that I was going to clear something up, I am, but you're not going to get the answers. You know, if you came today expecting to find out, you know, just exactly all, all of everything you ever want to know about the rapture and get your questions answered, you will be disappointed because I don't know the answers. But I know some stuff that are probably better than your questions. Okay. We'll just, we'll see. We won't vote on that at the end, but, you know, I just thought I'd say that. Uh, but nobody really understands it. And certainly to those on the outside looking in, and, and really even to some people on the inside, it's just a ridiculous notion. I mean, that's the silliest thing anybody's ever heard. The only problem is it's true. The only thing it's got going for it is that it will happen. It will happen because the Bible says that, that it will happen. 
I mean, if the Bible is true and there's abundant evidence to support that assertion, and I, I stake my life on it, if the Bible is true, then the rapture is also true. The only thing we know for certain about it, though, is that there's going to be a generation of believers who will be alive at the return of the Lord, and they will be translated into the Lord's presence without passing through physical death. And that's a, you know, I, I can get into that. <laughs> That sounds like a good idea to me. I wouldn't mind, wouldn't mind being, being on that train. That'd be super. That's all we know about it. And there is precedent for this. There's precedent for this happening. I mean, you know, some people may go, well, how, is, how are they going to know which ones to take? How, you know, uh, what? Duh. The ones that have the Holy Spirit inside of them. You know, the Holy, there'd just be that Holy Spirit attraction thing up there, and everybody would be, okay. The, see, when I get into that area, I don't, I don't know a whole lot, but, but I do know that. But there's precedent for this. This happened. This won't be the first time this happened. Over in Genesis chapter 5, it talks about a man named Enoch, and it simply says, Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because God took him away. Amen. He was Methuselah's father, by the way. How many of you know who Methuselah is? Oldest man in the Bible. Died before his daddy did. I think that's weird. It's kind of interesting. But Enoch was translated into God's presence. Who else? Yeah, Elijah. Elijah and Elisha are walking along, and it says as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared and horses of fire and separated the two of them and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. So this won't be the first time that this has happened. There's precedent for this. God, now whether he's going to do it by a whirlwind or we're just gone, I don't know, whatever sound it makes, it, it'll be, I, I don't know, but this has happened before. Now some, some frequently asked questions about the rapture. What is the concept? And because not everybody here may know what the concept is. Uh, one of the most important tenets of biblical historical christianity is a literal physical return of christ the second coming of the lord to this earth i mean just as surely as he literally and physically rose from the dead he literally and physically will come to reclaim this earth there there'll be a whole change in the way things are being done that's the second coming the rapture is regarded by many to be a separate event separate literal event where believers are caught up to meet the Lord prior to his literal return. And so the question becomes that the matters of debate are if these two, if these two events differ, if they're separate, and, and, um, and how do they relate to one another? That's a matter of much debate. But first of all, before, before I go into the debate, let me, let me address one other question. Does, and this is a question that sometimes people bring up, does this word appear in Scripture? Actually, they don't bring that word uh, actually they don't bring that question up they go rapture isn't in scripture doesn't say rapture and it's that's absolutely true it does not say rapture it also doesn't say church it also doesn't say salvation there are no english words in the original bible people it doesn't say people it says ecclesia and everybody knows that means church right yeah says sudzo everybody knows that means salvation no they don't i mean it, it sounds like something that you that you clean your dishes with or you clean your 
your, uh, your laundry with, and it's really something you clean your soul with. That's what that's about. So uh, I'll tell you what, what the word is. Uh, the, the original Greek word is, is the word herpazo, and uh, it literally means to take away, to seize upon, snatch up by force. It's also uh, what Margaret and I named our first car that, that we had together. And if you're one of those people who names your cars, Harpazo's a good name for your car because it'll make you think about the Lord and the return of Christ each day when you get out in your car. Or it'll make you think about Greek food. One of the two. Well, where does rapture come in? Actually, the, the, the Vulgate, the Latin Vulgate, uh, one of the oldest Bibles in existence. Uh, the Latin word that means to snatch up, to seize with force, is raptus. It's actually rapio, but the, but the word, that the, the tense of it was raptus. And if you kind of look, you know, you drop the S, you add the R-E, you got rapture. There it is. That's where the word came from. But you know what? The word's not important. It's the concept that's important. Arose by any other name. <laughs> is this a theater church or what? Yeah, you guys... <laughs> Got your Shakespeare going on? And, and let, me, let me give you another example of why it's not the actual word that really matters. Let's say this guy is named Romeo. <laughs> Romeo Valentino. And let's say this guy is named Bozo. Bozo Clown. Now, you know, there's really no uh, explaining how women think. I mean, Margaret married me, you know, <laughs> go figure. But I got a feeling that if this were the, these were the two choices, Bozo Clown's looking pretty good. It's got nothing to do with the name. In fact, Bozo Clown would become a very attractive kind of name. So when people say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible, big deal. The concept is what's in there, and that's, that's actually what matters. How does the rapture coordinate with the second coming and something called the Great Tribulation, which we'll talk about here in a minute? Concerning the second coming, it's pretty simple. I can, I can resolve that one really easily. The rapture happens before the second coming. Now, the question is, does it happen years before or does it happen milliseconds before? But, and I don't know the answer to that. You'll find out here in just a minute. But I do know that it happens before because there's no point in him taking us up to meet him in the air after he's already come and stood on the earth here with us, you know. So it happens before. Where, we, where it gets sticky, where people begin to, to get crossways with one another, uh, concerns this thing called the Great Tribulation. And for those of you who don't speak evangelical Christian yet, uh, the Great Tribulation is a period of unprecedented misery that would come upon the earth. And it's a period of indeterminate length. Some would say seven years, some would... Some have theorized three and a half years, but really we don't know. I mean, the Bible doesn't say, hey, this is going to last seven years. But there, there are verses you can infer that from. 
but it, it's a period of indeterminate length. And there are a number of places where Scripture kind of backs this up. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about a lot of things in 24, but he's, one of the things he's definitely talking about is his, his second coming, his return. And in 24, 21, he says, For then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, never to be equaled again. Sounds like a pretty, pretty rough time, pretty hard time. Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? Where do they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, once again, you know, do I understand Revelation and how everything fits? No, I don't understand, but sounds like there's a tribulation a great tribulation going on on the earth that some have come out of. Daniel, in talking about the Antichrist, in Daniel chapter 7, says he will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over him for time and times and, and half a time. So that, basically that's saying things, things are going to get rough before the end. So there's this, there's this period of, uh, of tribulation. And if, how many of you have read Revelations? Ah, wow, quite a few of you. Uh, there's some scary stuff in there, isn't there? I mean, you know, there's some stuff going on in there that you kind of go, oh, boy, I don't want to be around for that. You know, you got earthquakes and you got floods and you got the sky going dark and you got creatures coming out and plagues and that's... It's, it's pretty rough. Great tribulation. That's what would be going on there. And so the question then comes up, well, when is this rapture going to happen in regard to the great tribulation? And there are basically three theories. And if you've ever heard anybody teach on this, you've probably seen a chart because they've always got a chart. They've got a graph. They've got stuff going on on the graph. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you, well, I'll show you two or three of them here, kind of the more simple ones. One theory is a pre-tribulation rapture, and, I, and I'm not going to go into explaining all that, but basically what it means is that before that period of intense persecution or um, uh, plague comes upon the earth, the church is out of here, right before it. Now, that's what I was brought up on. That's kind of what I caught, cut my teeth on, I, uh, was pre-tribulation rapture, and let me tell you, that's a, that's, that's a good place to stand. <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, all this stuff's going to happen, but I ain't worried about it because I am out of here. I want to see this movie. I don't want to be in it. <laughs> Just that simple. Yeah. And that's, I, got nothing wrong. I can't, you know, that may very well be when it will be because the Bible doesn't really tell us. Now, there are some scripture verses that are used to kind of back that up, but the truth of the matter is there's scripture year verses to use to back up these others as well. Uh, another theory is a mid-tribulation rapture. The tribulation starts, and but right when it gets really bad, uh, the church is taken out, rescued from it. And uh, one of the theories is that if you've read Revelation, you know there are seven trumpets and bad things happen with each trumpet, and then there are seven bowls that are poured out and, and batter things happen with the seven bowls that are poured out uh and those seven bowls are called the bowls of god's wrath 
And so the theory is that we've not been appointed to suffer wrath. So, you know, we, we might be here for half of it, but when that wrath gets ready to go, we're out of here. And that's, you know, that's okay. Now, there are other mid-tribulation theories, but that's one. In fact, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. And then there's the, uh, the post-tribulation theory that, uh, that, that the rapture takes place just right before Christ's return. That, that the dead in Christ have to rise first. And uh, there are verses that, that kind, of, kind of back that up and can support all three of these, actually. And so uh, the question is, which one is right? Actually, that's not the right question. The question is, why does that matter? I mean, really, let's say you are a post-tribulation rapture believer and the rapture happens and the tribulation hasn't happened yet. You're going to go, uh-uh, I ain't going because this isn't the right time. Or let's say you're a pre-tribulation rapture person and you go through the tribulation and then the rapture happens. Are you going to go, you're late. <laughs> you were supposed to be here seven years ago. Six and a half years ago. You were supposed to What do you mean being late? I don't think anybody's going to say any of those things. And so the truth of the matter is, well, here's the thing. Books have been written. Churches have been split. People have been disfellowshipped. Friendships have been broken over this. Over when it's going to happen. No wonder the world looks at us sometimes and going, you want me to be one of you? You, you want me to get involved in that? The arguments, you know, sometimes range from the sublime to the ridiculous for each of these, but the end result is roughly as important as how many angels can dance on a pinhead. Theologically, when you get right down to it. Now, I will say this, because I'm going to move on and go to something else. If you simply must know all of the theories and all the stuff behind it, if you've got to delve into it, there is an almost inexhaustible supply of research, both real and, and pseudo, on the internet. But let me tell you something. That way lies madness. I'm serious. Anytime I start getting sucked into one of those holes you know, on, 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 on the internet, I, within, certainly within an hour, but usually within 10 or 15 minutes, I'm mad at somebody. I'm mad, I'm confused, I'm, I ain't thinking about Jesus. So if you want to go there, you, you can go there, but I'm not taking you there. I'm going to take you somewhere else. I want to talk about what really does matter. And let me just say this, don't get hung up on a great tribulation. Many, many pre-tribbers are, are, you know, they're keen on the notion of missing the tribulation and, you know, who wouldn't be? And mid-tribbers are certain that we're going to be missing the wrath of God. And I, yeah. But let me tell you three things about tribulation to keep in mind. First one is this. Tribulation is personal. 
One person's disaster is another person's news story. Isn't that interesting? Thousands of people may die in an earthquake over in China, but we don't know any of them. Tens of thousands may lose their homes in mudslides in Central America. We don't know any of them. Man, that, did you hear about that earthquake in China? That was, that was really, that was rough, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, it's supposed to get colder tonight. Yeah, it's been a warm winter. I, you know, that's how much it matters to us. The truth, and, and, and you know, it doesn't, it's not because we're bad people, but we're people. You know, thousands can die somewhere on the other side of the world. It doesn't matter nearly as much to us as the loss of a loved one in our own lives. Somebody else's cancer may be terminal and that's bad, but my broken arm is more of a concern for me. Now, I'd rather have the broken arm than have the cancer, but that's how we are. Tribulation is a personal thing. And, And the reason I say that is because for some people, it's happening now. It's going on now. Tribulation is personal. Tribulation is present. Almost a, there's 7 billion people on this earth and almost a billion of them go to bed hungry every night. And I don't just mean uh, they skipped dinner. I'm talking about, you know, no food that day. And not really sure if there's going to be any the next day. Not just for them, but for their kids. Human trafficking. There are um, over two and a half million people in the world today who are, who are slaves, literally slaves. Eighty percent of them, they estimate, are in, are in the sex trafficking industry. But, you know, not, not all. There's, there's, there's slavery. It's a $32 billion industry annually and once somebody gets sucked into it there's a one in 100 chance that they will be rescued one percent they'll be rescued i was uh looking up some things to see you know to kind of go okay what's going on in the world right now i need to because i know it's bad but you know what's going on in the world and i came across a website called the 10 worst uh countries for women and I, and I went and looked on that website, and let me just tell you, you know, I was, I, I was going to share some of the things, and I just went, I can't. It just tore my heart out. Google that one. Go look at it. Here's the thing. Who's going to say to those people, well, you just wait till the Great Tribulation. It'll really get bad then. It already is. You know, if you don't have any electricity, what does it matter to you if the grid goes down? If you, if you already don't have any food, famine, it's not going to make it any worse. It is what it is. Tri- tribulation is present. We've been spared most of it. We've been spared a great deal of it. But it's happening right now in the world. There's, uh, there's the majority of the world, if, they, if you laid all this out in front of them and said, you know, this period of tribulation happens and then the Lord comes, the majority of the world would be going, well, he can come right now. All that stuff's done happen. So tribulation is 
Personal tribulation is present and tribulation is promised. <laughs> we, uh, the passage that, that, that Wayne read from James. Did, did anybody really pay attention? Where it said, when these things happen to you, when this, when this hard stuff is coming along, don't try to wiggle out of it. Because it does something positive in your life Jesus gave this promise John 16 33 I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble King James says tribulation trouble tribulation they're the same but take heart I have overcome the world take heart see that's that's what the thing is when I, was, when I was growing up, and like I said, I grew up with the, with the pre-trib concept, and you know, I, I would say if I was going to lean toward one, I have no idea which one I would lean toward right now. I know too much about all of them to know which one's right. But, but, I, but I know what was inside of me is, well, I don't want to be here when this bad stuff's going on. I really don't want to be here. And so I need to be taken out of the world. No, I need to take heart. In talking about Lot being rescued out of Sodom, um, Peter said this, if this is so, he rescued Lot out of Sodom, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. The Lord knows how to rescue people. And maybe it's going to be, you know, just suck them all out of the world. Maybe he's going to take them through it. I mean, the three Hebrew children did go into the fiery furnace. You do know that, don't you? They just didn't get burned. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I mean, seriously. He sent, you know, if there's no, if there's no food, he sent ravens to feed Elijah when all the food ran out. Now that gives a whole new meaning to the concept of bird feeder. <laughs> but he did it. He fed two million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years, rained bread down every, well, six days a week. Uh, seventh day, they didn't need it because they got enough for, for two days on that day. He fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Who am I to say how he's got to do it? You know, if he wants to leave a, a testimony here in the world of, wow, they sure have got it a lot better than we do, then that's up to him. He can certainly do that. And if he wants to, or whichever sound it makes, if he wants to take us all out, you know, and there are planes falling out of the sky and cars careening off the internet, that's okay too. I, that'll get people's attention. However he wants to do it, he, will, he can rescue us out of it or, or rescue us through it. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. That sounds like some cataclysmic stuff, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Tsunamis earthquakes, any of those things that can happen, 
I think it says we will not fear. For God is our refuge. God is our strength. The key word should be this. The key word when it comes to the rapture should be this. Imminent. That just simply means any moment. Any moment. It can happen at any time. Signs are great. And when we get to the last week of this series, I'm going to talk about the signs that I'm looking for, the ones that I'm kind of going, yep, it's time to buckle up <laughs> if, when, if I start seeing that happen. But signs are great. But I got a feeling that there's going to be a whole bunch of us debating signs and not looking for his coming. When what we're supposed to be doing is looking for his coming. Not being distracted about, about the side stuff. You know, I'm, I, I, I've got my own ideas about what, what needs to happen and what's going to happen. And you know what? If it doesn't happen and he comes anyway, then I was wrong. I just need to be looking for him. I need to be aware of him because once you get there, once you're in that place, it changes the way you live. Once you're living with an expectancy that he could be here today, it changes the way you look at things, the, the way that you do things. We, all we know is he will return. He will gather those still alive to himself. It could happen at any time. When I, was, when I gave my life back to the Lord and really gave my life to the Lord in the, in the, in the, in the, in the 70s, and I, and I hesitated there, not because I couldn't remember the 70s, but, you know, it's, it's a little... It's a little confusing about, uh, I mean, you know, I gave my life to the Lord in 1956 when I was six years old. I, I, and I, didn't, I didn't necessarily stay faithful, but, you know, he might have, I think he counted that. But anyway, you know, I don't want to get off on that bunny trail. When I, when I really turned my life over to the Lord in the 70s, I don't know, there was something in the water, there was something in the air. It just seemed like, at least for the crowd that I ran with, virtually every day the conversation would turn to, Lord's coming back. You know the Lord's coming back. You know it could be today. Yeah. And that's kind of leaked out over the last three decades or so. And you know what? I think that's probably one of the signs of his coming is that it's kind of leaked out. But it doesn't have to leak out from you. It doesn't have to leak out from us. If you, if you wake up every day going, this could be the day, you're going to order your day differently than we normally do. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. I am so glad that Paul didn't go, therefore, argue about this. <laughs> therefore, fight about this. No, therefore, encourage each other with this because no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you may dread tomorrow, he's coming. He's coming. He is able to keep you through whatever he has to keep you through. But you don't know. You don't know what's happening tomorrow. Uh, Back in the 70s, there's a group called Dogwood, and some of you remember them. Uh, some of you weren't born then, but some of you remember them. And they, I think my favorite song by theirs was Keep On Walking. 
And the chorus just simply said, you don't know how far you've come. Keep on walking. For all you know, it may be done, and the Father may be standing up right now to give the call. End it all. Keep on walking. Keep on walking. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray with people come forward? Tribulation is personal. And whether we're in the great tribulation or not in the great tribulation, and whether we're in a rich, prosperous country or a poor country, you may be going through some stuff. And if you need, if you need God to do something for you, the altar's open. You, you come. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I mean... The only way you can really lose on this is if you, is if you never, never come to know him. That's the only way you can really lose. He died for you. He gave his life for you. There's a new covenant. Your sins can all be forgiven. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, we'd like to introduce you to him. We're going to worship for a few moments, and uh, the altar's open. If you need something, you come. Your presence is all the same. Your presence is all I am longing for here in the secret place. Your nearness is all I am waiting for. Here in the quiet place, here in the secret place, your presence is all. Your presence is all I am longing for. Here in the secret place, your nearness is all.
Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world not to flee from tribulation but to overcome the world and he did may the same spirit that empowered Jesus to overcome dwell in you and give you victory give you overcoming joy give you confidence in the one who delivers you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.